0: What's up guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook. It's late night Thursday. I had an opportunity to speak with Sacramento State head coach Troy Taylor for close to an hour today. Got to learn quite a bit about this team. Also watched uh, both of their games so far this season. And we caught up with Andrew Hopper of CBS Sacramento. So a lot of perspectives on this squad I'll play that interview with him in just a couple of minutes. He was able to just kind of give some more context, break down this team, you know, talk about, you know, why Ram fans should be nervous, where they could potentially, you know, take advantage, all of that stuff. Before we get to it, I am going to talk about Troy Taylor a little bit, the Sacramento State head coach. He's an interesting guy. Their offense is really, really unique. They run a two quarterback system. They throw a million different looks at you. So I'll talk about that. Highlight a couple of individuals that CSU fans should be aware of. And then we'll get to that interview with Andrew. Real quick, the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with the DraftKings stepped up same game parlay. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on the stepped-up same-game parlay once per game day all season long. What are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Cool, 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 cool. All right, just some quick hitters on Sacramento State. Since 2019, when Troy Taylor took over, they're 20-7 and seven overall. He is a two-time Big Sky Coach of the Year in 2019 and 2021. They did not play in the spring season that the FCS had uh, in 2020. He's 5-2 and two in regular season games versus ranked opponents that is, you know, ranked FCS opponents. Uh, they are 0-2 in the playoffs, so that's kind of the one thing that's eluded them so far. Uh, but they hung really tough against a great South Dakota state team that came in and, and beat CSU. This is an experienced group. You know, essentially all the major contributors on both sides of the football from last year are back, and they added to talent on top of that. They were 5-1 on the road last year. Their only loss being a 42-30 loss to Cal that's the game where they kind of developed this two quarterback system with Jake Dunaway and Asher O'Hara. Troy Taylor actually he uh, actually credits his wife Tracy for the idea, sitting there watching game film, trying to, you know, determine who he wanted to be QB one, and she just turned to him and was like, "Why don't you play both?" And of course, you know, the initial reaction you you can't have two quarterbacks, and I've certainly always believed that, but they have made it work. It, it's really weird. It's not even like a series-to-series series or quarter-to-quarter quarter situation. They, they go in and out within a series. This offense is extremely fast-paced. When they're in rhythm, I mean, they're getting the ball snapped within 15 seconds, so it's going to be huge that the defense gets their calls in. And on top of that, they're, they're throwing a million different looks at you. I mean, they use the entire field. They'll go spread you know, out of an empty backfield. They'll kind of do like a hybrid pistol thing. They do some triple option stuff. And a, a lot of it is just trying to wear out the defense and, and get you out of position. They're, Like I said, it's not that, that complicated or anything like that. They're just really, really efficient. They, they get to the line of scrimmage fast. And once they do it, even though it's not complicated, they're good at executing and they're physical. You can't arm tackle this group. This is a scary matchup for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, going zero and four would be tough, particularly with how uh, just the climate is around CSU football. You know, not a lot of positivity within the Rams community right now. I get it; it's been it's been a challenging start. But man, I just I don't understand why CSU scheduled this game. And I know they do this years in advance, but I just there's so little value in playing FCS opponents, anyways. Like if they're going to do it, realistically, they should really only be playing. Northern Colorado because of the benefit that it has within the local community. But teams like South Dakota State, Sacramento State, who could beat, you know, the majority of the Mountain West on a yearly basis, and now you're gonna you're gonna pay them to come here and either you beat them and nobody cares because it's an FCS team, even though they're a very good one, or you lose to an FCS team, and despite the fact that they're very talented and can beat, you know, the majority of, of G fives out there. You're still going to get made fun of. Sean, who is my TV producer on Saturday, he asked Troy Taylor, you know, point blank and wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but if you were an FBS team, would you want to schedule FCS teams? And he just kind of laughed and was like, you know, I'd, I'd be careful who you schedule, that's for sure. The last time they came to town in 2008, it took a walk off field goal to beat them. In 2012, they went into Boulder and beat CU. This is a program that's not going to be intimidated, especially under Troy Taylor. They're a much better team now than they were you know, a decade ago. 2019, they lost by 12 at Arizona State. They lost by 14 at Fresno State. Last year, they lost by 12 at Cal. I mean, they're competitive, man. They've had a ton of success against Montana and Montana State, some of the other elite programs in the FCS. This is a group that's played a lot of football together. They played a lot of quality teams. And they're coming in confident. I mean, they, they told me they expect to win. Vegas has them as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, I believe. So big opportunity for the Rams, man. Like I said, nationally, you're not exactly going to get you know hyped up if you beat this good Sacramento State team. But for the people inside the building, it would just be big. You need those wins every now and then to just keep you going and to be, to, to be able to have that proof that what you are doing is working, that you are making progress, and that if you stick with it, you know, the results are going to come. It's not necessarily always going to be perfect, but you you do just need those moments. It's it's kind of like when you're trying to get in shape, you know, I feel like if you don't have a breakthrough every now and then, if you're, if you're never able to, you know, get those extra couple of reps or, you know, make the jump from 15 to 20 that you've been desperate to do for months, it, it's hard to stick with it, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to commit When you had those little moments where you're starting to feel stronger, where you're noticing that you're in better shape, you may not be where you want to yet, but you can tell that you're getting where you want to go. The results are are visible at that point. And then sometimes you, you know, you double down, you get even more into it because you can see what you're doing is actually working. And I think for this football team, for the CSU football team, I should say, they just need that moment. You know, they need that moment where they're able to, you know, get a new max. Anyways. Kind of funny for my scrawny ass to use that analogy, but you guys get where I'm going. Uh, before we get to that interview with Andrew, just a couple of guys you should keep an eye on on the Sacramento State team. Obviously, there are two quarterbacks, Jake Dunaway, Asher O'Hara, Dunaway number 12, O'Hara number 10, both seniors. Uh, they, they go in and out. O'Hara is definitely the more dynamic of the two, You know, maybe not quite as pure of a passer as Dunaway but he will throw the ball. I mean, that's the thing about this offense. It's kind of like Air Force. He does, you know, 15 QB draws in a row and you expect him to keep doing. Then all of a sudden they run a play action keeper and they hit somebody, you know, over the top. So you've got to be really disciplined and it's kind of the same deal with Dunaway. Like he's, he's not going to run as effectively as O'Hara, but every now and then he'll scramble, you know, for 20 when you drop back. So it's just, it's an offense that always has you second guessing and that's really the point, you know, that's what Troy Taylor talked about. He wants defensive coordinators to be completely stressed all the time, stressed with, you know, trying to identify what they're doing on any given series, stressed with trying to keep up with the tempo. And they do a good job of using space, you know, they use the passing game essentially as an extension of the of the running game against Northern Iowa. One of the things that really stood out to me was you know, they had a lot of swing passes, screens, and stuff like that to Marcus Fulcher out of the backfield, junior from Fresno. And then they've also got Cameron Scataboo, a sophomore out of Rio Linda, California. This dude's a stud, man. Number four, uh, he runs extremely hard. It kind of looks like uh, Tim Riggins in Friday Night Lights just dropping the shoulder, going through people. Troy Taylor was telling me, you know, he was a guy at the high school level that looked like this, just completely dominated the competition. Nobody expected it to translate. Sac State ended up being his only offer, and he's come in and just hit the ground running, literally. Outside of those great athletes in the backfield, uh, Pierre Williams is a big physical guy, at wide receiver, currently fourth all-time in program receptions. And then, in quotations, tight end, he'd he'd be a receiver in most offenses. Marshall Martin, he's a junior from Viejo, California, preseason FCS All-American, He's the fastest guy on the team. He's only 6'2". So like I said, he's kind of this weird type. Like He is a tight end, but he's shifty, man. And his ability to create yards after the catch is insane. He had a play against Northern Iowa where he just kind of ran a dig, made one guy miss, then ran towards the sideline, was able to cut up. It was It was very impressive, very athletic guy. You do not want to arm tackle these guys, like I said defensively they're not quite as stout as what CSU's seen as far as you know Washington State or or Michigan but they do have some really impressive athletes out there Marte Mapu who he's kind of like their rover like he started at a linebacker then he went to safety i've seen him listed as a nickel before which is probably the closest thing to what he does but he's just all over i mean sometimes he's going to rush the passer sometimes he's dropping back in coverage he had four picks and 10 pass breakups last year uh, has a couple of picks and a forced fumble this year. He's a thumper. He, he lit a dude up in the open field last week that was like, man, it's, it's impressive. I think he could be an NFL guy, really rangy, really long. Uh, in the trenches, they've got a lot of talent. Uh, Ariel Nagata, or Nada, excuse me, senior from Reno, Nevada. He's a Washington transfer. And then uh, Adele Adeoye, a senior from St. Louis, Missouri. Former four-star prospect, Texas transfers was there for four years. Ended up transferring here. They've got some guys that can get after the quarterback for sure. Uh, Armand Bailey, linebacker, another athletic guy that moves well. Definitely popped in that Northern Iowa game. I know I just threw a lot of information at you, uh, but really the, the guys that scare me the most are definitely O'Hara. You know the athletic running quarterback, Scadaboo, running back. And then defensively, Marte Mapu. He's just a guy you've got to know where he is at all times. And those defensive ends, I mean, they're, they're definitely worrisome considering CSU's allowed 23 sacks this year. So we'll see. I do think this should be an opportunity where there's some more open throwing lanes. The coverage shouldn't be quite as tight as it's been these last couple of weeks. They've got some athletic guys in that secondary. They have a five man rotation at safety, but, you know, I, I don't really see like a lot of lockdown guys. And, you know, I don't foresee them having a guy that could, you know, just completely take a guy like Torrey Horton out of the matchup. But we'll see. This is a really good team. They're experienced. They're well-coached. And they're going to come in with a whole lot of confidence. So this is going to be a tough test for CSU on Ag Day. It would be great to see them, you know, get a win in these uniforms. Been far too many L's on Ag Day the last couple of years after, you know, winning the first eight or nine games in those orange jerseys. But we'll see. I mean, this is a team that certainly deserves respect, and it's it's going to be a challenge. It's, you know, it's not like Southern Illinois coming in a few years ago, who obviously beat CSU on Ag Day too. But this is it's a lot like that South Dakota State team. I will say, maybe not quite as stout in the trenches as, as South Dakota State was, but there's a team with a lot of athletes. They play fast. And they're just experience. You know, what they're doing isn't that complicated. They just do it well. It's kind of like Air Force. Real quick, before I get to that interview with Andrew Hobner of CBS Sacramento, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking athletic greens because I wanted to be healthier, but I hate taking vitamins. I don't like pills. And this was just an easy way to do it. You know, it's a little bit of powder in your water, Been on it for over a year. I love it. Uh, it doesn't taste like chalky like some of those, you know, weird substances do. It has, you know, kind of like a mild tropical taste. I I really like it. I mean, you can put it in orange juice or just straight in your water. It does not matter. But what's important is what you're taking. And that's 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things you should be focused on. Take it in the morning, but, I mean, you could do it whenever it helps with digestion, uh, energy. It's, it's just great. It's lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan free, dairy free, gluten free, whatever, you're good. Less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than you know going to Starbucks or something like that. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews, and they're recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out after your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, five free travel packs to go with your first purchase. All you have to do, go to athleticgreens.com slash rams. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash rams to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, it's time to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. Got an intriguing NFL slate, a lot of fun matchups. I'm going to back the Texans. I think they're just a frisky team. They're getting three points on the road at Chicago. I'm just going to take them straight up on the money line. Texans to upset the Bears on the road. Uh, nothing about the Bears impresses me. I don't think Houston's a great team, but I think they're just you know competitive enough to hang around and ultimately let a team like the Bears shoot themselves in the foot. And uh, that's why I'm taking the Texans to pull the upset. Lock it in. You can get that at plus 130 over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you download the app. Use the code DNVR when you sign up. Lock it in. DraftKings pick of the week. All right, I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to play that interview with Andrew Hobner of CBS Sacramento. Big thanks to him for joining us and giving us more info on this talented Sac State team. All right, joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, we've got my good friend Andrew Hobner of CBS 13 out in Sacramento. Also hosts the Pac-12 This Week podcast. He's going to preview Sacramento State for us a little bit. Talk through kind of an interesting matchup with a fun team, a scary matchup from CSU's perspective. Before we get into this, though, how's it going, man? You enjoying college football season? You know, this would be the year, if you guys
1: ever had one, to take a victory lap on us Buffaloes. But I feel like <laughs> we're all in hell together here. Um, been fun watching the Pac-12 with the exception of that one school, but that was also most of my college career. So, you know, it's just more of the same,
0: right? <laughs> I'm kind of to the point where it's like those that live in glass houses probably shouldn't cast stones. And that's how I feel about CSU and CU. When I see either side mock the other, I just kind of roll my eyes at this point. Like, it's like, I don't, we're less pathetic than you. That's the argument at this point. Like, I, don't, that's just sad. Like, let's just be quiet at that point.
1: See, we all just
0: got to start throwing rocks at Wyoming.
1: That's, <laughs> lucky, lucky underdog status now baby because why should they have nice things
0: let's just all turn on Wyoming. it's not a real state anyways i know you worked there and you can argue otherwise but uh.
1: i don't know man i was in maybe jackson's real casper i'm sure some of your people have been up through there i don't think that's a real place if it is <laughs> not somewhere you want to go
0: <laughs> that uh that stretch going across i80 is is rough i've done it a couple of times going to logan utah and like a Late at night, or something, and you're the only car you see on the road for 250 miles, and you just like, I don't have cell service. I mean, if something goes wrong, I'm probably just going to die out here in the middle of nowhere. Dude, I, I, I don't want to derail this too much here, but when I was
1: working in Casper, were the, the two Josh Allen years at Wyoming. And to get from Casper to Laramie, you have to make this drive through Medicine Bow. And there is a, an hour and a half of that two hour drive where you have no, no cell service. And I'm driving through a straight up blizzard one morning to get down there. It was so bad. I think they were playing Fresno. That I-80 from Cheyenne to Laramie was closed because of the wind and the snow. And so the bus was delayed. It couldn't get Fresno State's players from one place to the (laughs) next. I'm like borderline driving off the road in Medicine Bow where there's this like giant wind farm off the side. And I'm like, if I die out here, no one is going to find me. It's the greatest place to murder someone if you ever wanted to do that. You know, you've seen Yellowstone. Like, it's a very simple place. And that's three quarters of the state. It's really just a bizarre spot on the map of this great country.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a place you can take them to the train yard or whatever they say on that show and you know, <laughs> dump, them off a, dump them off a cliff. I will say, people that listen to my podcast regularly, they know that I like to make jokes about Wyoming, but I do love the CSU-Wyoming rivalry. It's obviously just so... Historied and, and you know, as much shit as I love to give Wyoming fans, it's genuinely a very difficult thing to get to Laramie at times. So it's, I never, you know, I never troll them for basketball attendance, especially. I'm like, yeah, it's really hard to get to Laramie in January. So it's just one of those things you have to consider. But uh, let's, let's talk about Sacramento State because this is. It's a scary matchup if you're a CSU fan. This is an extremely talented, extremely experienced team. I think 14 starters returned from a team that won the Big Sky last year. Yeah, I mean, they, they're very explosive. They're unique. They run a two-quarterback system, and they do it successfully. I think they're probably the first program I've ever seen do it like over a sustained period of time and not have it cause issues. They don't seem to skip a beat. It's it's very odd. But, I mean, just how good is this team? So. Where would you like me to start on them? Because
1: in the time I've been out here, I don't think I've ever been so fascinated by a college football program. We can do Troy Taylor, we can do the recruiting, or we can do the personnel. Where would you like me Let's to Let's start
0: hard? with Troy Taylor because he's infectious, man. I, I just talked with him for about an hour, and you completely understand why this guy's successful. I mean, he just genuinely loves football multiple times in his career. He's taken pay cuts to essentially go to a place where he could just have creative control and, you know, do his thing. But yeah, I mean, what stands out to you about him? Cause this, it's gotta be a lot of fun to interact with a guy like him regularly. He's
1: super cool. Um, knows ball extremely well. He is the single reason why I wish Sac State had a competent basketball arena, decent alums and an ability to get to an FBS level because He's a very special coach where he could actually make it work. So some background on him. He's from the area. He coached around the Pac-12 a little bit. He, um, Before he went back into the Pac-12, he coached the Tyler Huntley teams at Utah the year they made it to the Pac-12 title game in 18. Um, but he was at Folsom High School, which is basically the factory school here. It's our, our, our Cherry Creek, basically, um, down to the color scheme now that I'm thinking about it. and over his time at Folsom. Jake Browning was his quarterback. And he knows the area. 80% of this roster is dudes from the Valley. And he is like the prodigal son returned home and has this unique understanding of everything around him. The best analogy I can give for what Troy Taylor is doing at Sac State is it's Jeff Traylor at UTSA on an FCS level. Um, it's a dude who walks onto any field any into any high school coach's office in the valley. Everyone knows him. everyone loves him. everyone wants to give him their best guys. And so for him and his staff, a bunch of whom have followed him um, around you know from from Utah or just from different spots ac- 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 excuse me across the course of his career, um, it's very competent for a team of this level that you really don't expect. I mean, he's got dudes, and he himself feel like they should be a Pac-12-level staff or even a Mountain West-level staff. They have the the chops, they have the requisite experiences, and they've got the football knowledge to be able to do so. But they all stay home because Sacramento is where they're from, and they all just love ball. They don't want to get into the, the day-to-day minutia that involves FBS football. So. It's really a perfect place for him to be. He's the perfect guy for this program. And what that does is it creates a team and a program that the entire area can wrap its arms around. And it's hard to do that at the FCS level because you're trying to convince people why the football is worth watching. With him, he's convinced them in pretty short order that Sac State football is is worthy of that. And I think a deep playoff run this year or next can really solidify that for the people in in the valley that you don't need a, a G five or Power Five program to have good high quality football here.
0: Yeah, I mean that's really the only thing that's eluded him so far is a couple of first round exits, obviously in the FCS playoffs, lost to an extremely talented South Dakota State team last year that you know came into Fort Collins and kicked CSU's ass. So you know no shade there whatsoever, but. Yeah, I just think it's it's impressive what he's been able to do in in such a short period of time, and I think the local recruiting component is obviously a big part of that. He talked about that a little bit with us today. You know, when they came in, you know, it'd been a couple of years since Sac State had landed anybody f- from Folsom, and he's like, clearly, that's you know a problem. We've got to keep some of these guys here. They've been able to do it, and they've been able to keep these guys in the program. I mean, a lot of these a lot of these key contributors for Sacramento State in twenty twenty two. Are the same guys that were the key contributors when they won the Big Sky in 2019. That's pretty impressive, especially in the transfer portal era, where when some of these guys flash, it'd be easy, you know, to transfer mm-hmm. up, you know, in quotations to San Diego State or San Jose State or, or wherever.
1: You know what's so amazing about the roster component is he fills out through the portal in a way that we. Ascribe the transfer portal as solely upward mobility or quarterbacks moving down, right? Like, if you're a have not at a top level, you transfer to a G5 to play. If you are a good G5 player, you go up to the power five. Rarely do we hear situations about guys that, for whatever reason, go from FBS down to FCS. Like, if you're not cutting it on a G5 roster, more often than not, you'll just transfer to a different or worse G5 in your area. Um, We don't get a lot of G5 to FCS in the way that I kind of thought we would when this whole enterprise first began. He does a great job of it. He's got dudes on this roster that played at Nevada. His quarterback three, Caden Bennett, played from uh, Nevada. Uh, His DB, Prince Washington, who's a starter. He was at Wyoming. He's got a couple of Washington kids. His punter was from Nevada. And then the rest of it is a massive, massive amount of area JUCOs. whether that's, you know, uh, Modesto, whether that's Sac City Junior College. I mean, the two quarterbacks that get most of the play on his roster are transfers. His whole quarterback room are, are transfers. Asher O'Hara went to mid 10, and uh, Jake Dunaway's San Diego Mesa Junior College. So they really do a good job of not needing to recruit outside the area out of high school because there's a lot of, I think, FCS, low-end G5 talent here. There's not a lot of top-end Power 5 talent in the Valley. You get a few every every year, every now and then you get a Shaq Thompson or an Eric Armstead. But for the most part, there's a smattering of four stars, a lot of three stars that fill out Pac-12 and Mountain West rosters, and then a huge huge chunk that are fcs juco level guys and that's what his staff have done a really great job at isolating is like all these dudes give us your tired your poor you know because uc davis has admission standards of their own so it makes their recruiting a bit more prohibitive whereas sac state is a little more open in that respect so it's been very cool to see and again i don't know if there's a lot of coaches that aren't named troy taylor that can do it with the speed that he's done it, but to be able to come in, know your area immediately, know how the junior colleges in the area and, and the CCCA can do what they can do for you, and taking immediate advantage of that while still every now and then pulling from FBS and taking a few guys a year out of there. Um, it, it really is just a, a masterclass and how to know the area around you to build a program. And In the Valley, where I think everything is pretty starved, water, food, whatever aside, like, you know, Fresno State is, you're trying to convince people to come to Fresno, first and foremost. So they're relying on a lot of Central Valley kids. Sac State at least has Sacramento in some respect to be able to advertise to people. Um, And you also don't have to hang out there in the summer when it's 118 out. So you're allowing these kids to have an alternative that isn't LA or the Bay and still play competitive football. So from a recruiting standpoint too, that's the other pillar I think that makes him special and makes this team special. And you're going to see that when you get out there is this is a, a talent level, not on the level of like a North Dakota state, I don't think, but like it's that South Dakota state, Montana, Montana state level of, wow, this team is, a lot better than I thought. They'd probably win a few games if they were a consistent FBS G5 team.
0: I mean, when you look at how they fared, they lost a competitive game against Cal last year by 12. They a couple years before that, you know, lost like 19-7 or 19-6 or something like that to Arizona State. Like they're not afraid to punch up. They win on the road. I mean, they're just they're a well-coached. They're an experienced team. They're a lot of fun. I, I agree with your assessment there. I I wouldn't say they quite have the the physicality that you've seen from some of those like dominant North Dakota State teams, but also they play with so much tempo and so much versatility that it's like it doesn't really matter. Like they're just so good at what they do that like I I, I really am nervous about this matchup from CSU's perspective because they just they get the play call in so fast they. They go back from quarterback to quarterback, and it's not even like a drive-to-drive thing. It's a play-to-play thing, and they're able to sub and and not have it screw up their rhythm. It doesn't seem to mess with their receivers at all. That was one of the things I asked him about was like, you know, what's practice like? Is it hard to establish chemistry between the receivers and the quarterbacks? And he's like, we just give them equal reps, and it, it seems to work out. Mm-hmm. I, he's kind of a visionary, man. Like, I, I would love to see him do this at a higher level just to see what type of attention he would get. But, especially, you know, as a guy who grew up with Sonny Lubick as his idol, I have a soft spot for a guy who, you know, is willing to do this for his community and is like, you know, I'm good here. I I got a good thing going. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think...
1: Like I said, a deep playoff run is what's going to really make the community put their arms around this program in a different way. Uh, it's amazing we've gone this entire time with all without mentioning Cameron Skadaboo, right? You know, the third team all guy running back. He's a stud. Marcus Fulcher, their other running back, is a stud. And, you know, what's so amazing is the positional versatility between his running backs and wide receivers. He has a lot of dudes that can catch the ball out of the backfield, but those guys also line up occasionally split. Um, you know, he doesn't have, I think a stud wide receiver, I right? I think, you know, it's probably their, their I mean,
0: Williams is good, but he's not, yeah. he doesn't like, he doesn't terrify you as a receiver. Marshall Martin's probably the receiving option that scares me the most. And he, he's and technically he's, a tight end, isn't like, he? I was going to
1: say he's, he's kind of like that, that high, I, I hate to use him because he's not like a star and a model yet, but like, kind of like that Pitsy.
0: Yeah. That's I get what, what you're little, saying. Like he's Kyle not like Pitsy, Kyle Pitts or, from a talent standpoint, but that, yeah. It's that hybrid, kind that hybrid of a tight body end. type, yeah.
1: yeah. He's, not, he's not, you're not going to get him down in a in a three-point and have him be like exclusively a run-blocking tight end, right? He's that versatile pass But he'll
0: chip a defensive end. end. They'll line him up inside and stuff like that. Totally, totally. So,
1: you know, he, I think, is, is probably their biggest pass-catching threat solely, but their versatility with a bunch of guys who can play a bunch of different positions. And like, like that's what's so weird is, it's almost like positionless football, if that makes sense. Because when you consider how he employs two quarterbacks, the way he does, where Dunaway is more of the passing guy and then Asher O'Hara is more of the run, you know, option based dude. Then you have Scataboo and Fulcher who are running backs, but can fill the pass catcher roles too. It's like everyone can play every position. It's very strange at the skill spots. And so I do think if we're going to get something here, It's going to be a shootout because I do think Colorado State has gone up against a couple of very difficult defenses in their first few weeks of the year between Michigan
0: and Wazoo, who's like a random revelation. How are they not ranked? Three and zero, the true road win at Wisconsin. I, I we know why. It's because people and the A people don't watch, you know, teams. Yeah, it's Plazu
1: Bias. Same same deal with Oregon State, right? Like there's
0: there's no reason they why. Well awesome. Oregon, I yeah. mean, great win over Fresno. They've been yeah, explosive offense defensively. I mean, I lost a lot of money as a better on that Fresno State, Oregon State <laughs> game. So I was pissed, but it was one of those where I was like, man, they're fun. I, I yep. can't even really be that upset about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And and I, I wasn't expecting Washington State to be this spry this early in the Dickard era, shouts to you know the Craig Bull coaching tree. But um, Colorado State, I think, is going to look better than they've looked, right? Like when, you know, I think Millen's gotten pretty shellacked, although he's had moments where he's looked good. Um, they're going to have a slight... I don't know how far I want to go and say there's going to be a clear talent disparity, but there's going to be some talent disparity in favor of Colorado State. I mean, we've got a couple
0: of guys, clearly. Like, Torrey Horton is an NFL receiver. You've got a couple of guys defensively, Jack Howell, Mo Kamara, that have flashed. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, these guys, like Pierre Williams, you know, he's not, he's going to have no qualms with, you know, blocking a a Mountain West caliber defensive back. It's not like they're going to be a complete mismatch out there. And their tempo, I really think, probably offsets, you know, the gap that, in quote, talent or athleticism that CSU may have.
1: Mm -hmm. Which is why I think we're going to get a shootout. I I think offensively, we're going to get, you're going to see the talent disparity born out there a little bit, right? Like, those windows that Washington State and Michigan weren't giving Millen may just be a little bit wider, you know, the, his receivers and backs, they may just get one more first step. His his lineman may just get one more half yard of push. And that's sometimes all you need with these margins to sustain drives, convert third down, score touchdowns. On the other side of, the, of things, that versatility and that tempo is going to scare the crap out of this Colorado State defense. And so I have a hard time thinking that the Rams are going to be able to comfortably stop Sac State on possession after possession. Um, So I I can see a a scenario or or in an environment where this might be like a 38-35 or like a 42-38 kind of game just off the basis that Norvell's vision is a, a team that, you know, plays offensive, you know, pacey passing football. And on the other side of things, you have a team that, Plays to pace, you know. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm of the mindset that I think Sac State wins this. I, I think it's close. I'm uh, just, I understand that it's, it's gonna take a little bit for, for this system to get in place in Fort Collins. And that's just my beat against a program that is pretty ready made right now and has a very clear identity of who they are. They trust their coaches. There's not a ton of turnover in this program, especially when you consider the roster from last year, but also the coaches. Um, there there has not been a ton of, of coaching turnover. A lot of these dudes that are kind of deep in the process are guys that have been with Taylor for a few years now. Um, and so everybody knows what they need to do. And they also acknowledge that if they win this game, you're talking about maybe getting a bump into the top five of the FCS before you go into big sky play, which is the hardest conference in FCS right now between them, Davis, Montana, Montana state, Idaho looks really frisky despite being one and two. Um, There's probably seven or eight teams there that are playoff caliber teams, which is pretty crazy to say, but um, they know they need to win this game. And I I think that's, what's going to push them is anytime you're the FCS team and you know, you might have it on an FBS team you're going to go in with the intention of trying to get the win and they just feel like maybe they're a little bit more ready there than CSU is right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I've been raving about him. Obviously this is a program that I have a lot of respect for. I've had to dig into them even more so than I would have normally just with since I'm going to be doing the, the sidelines for it. But yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a team that has earned the reputation that they have. And quite frankly, it's, kind of a lose-lose situation for CSU because either you beat an extremely talented FCS team and nobody gives a shit nationally (laughs) or you lose and you get memed for losing to a team who quite frankly would probably beat half the Mountain West. Yeah.
1: The thing is, is I I don't think what happens nationally matters too much with CSU. Like if he wins, I mean, I guess like to the casuals, yeah. Like the casuals are going to be like, yeah, you beat an FCS team, so what? But I feel like Rams fans, donors, the people that need, need to the know win these bad. things. Exactly. Like if you win, then people will have an understanding of like okay, like this is a good team that you just beat. I think what matters is the 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 way this game plays. You know, my outside perspective here is the best situation for both teams regardless of winner is if it's a well-played game. If we get like a sloggy crap fest and, you know, Sac State loses, the Discourse on our end is going to be, how good are they really? Because this is probably a team that an NDSU or an SDSU beats. And that's who you need to get through if you want to break into that top level of FCS football. Now, if Colorado State loses a crap fest, then it's like, holy crap, this team's really, really bad. Um, you know, so if But if you lose a good game, it's like, okay, you lost. That sucks. That's frustrating. But, you know, that team played out of their minds. If Sac State loses in a good game, it's like, okay, you played as good as you could have. This is a team at the end of the day that's an FBS team. I think what we're both sitting here just saying is, I hope this game doesn't suck. (laughs) (laughs) I hope we are just avoid the crap fest. That's all.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it'll be a fun one. I, I agree with you. I think the pressure that, you know knock on wood, if you're a CSU fan, should be a little bit less in Millen's face this week. Although Sac State does like to bring some pressure at times, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how the Rams uh, handle it. I mean, CSU, you would have to think, is going to be a desperate, hungry team considering they're 0-3. I mean, you're looking at the schedule, like, really this next month here. We'll see if that translates last couple years. I mean, it has not. So, you know, we'll see if Norvell can get these guys fired up the... uh, the last guy I wanted to ask you about, though, before we get out of here, and it's just because I haven't brought him up yet, and he might be the most intriguing player that I saw on film, would be uh, the nickelback Marte Mapu, who kind of like a safety kind of outside linebacker. They kind of shift him all over the place. I mean, he had 10 pass breakups, four picks last year. I think he already has three turnovers this year. He, it just seems like he's always in the right place at the right time based on you know those first two games
1: yeah phenomenal instincts from him you know second team all big sky he's been a preseason all american uh, on two different teams this year um what's what's good with him is you know his speed and vision i think is what set him apart you know they they listed him in 2021 as as a backer and i think largely that was where he kind of played in that like sort of rover you know star jack whatever you want to call it, position that all of these teams have now um and when you can cover sideline to sideline like he can, I mean, that that makes a huge difference. Um, I think the ball hawking skills are, are probably among the top end of the big sky, if not the top end of FCS. And this is a defense that does like to try and be opportunistic where they can. And he plays a huge role in that. The other guy that I did want to mention, too, at the end of this is uh, Ayodele Adeoy. He He's gotten a pretty—started off slow. I guess you could say he got his first sack of the season last week, but this was a high four-star recruit that went to Texas and transferred down to Sac State. And at the time, it was this massive recruiting coup because what's a guy like that doing coming down to FCS? You know, if you're a a guy that does Sunbelt school, you don't end up in Sacramento State, you know? And he is a guy that, even from the high school tape, all the physical gifts, you know, it's just about putting the actual game itself together. And that's, I think, where he's going or trending right now. Showed some good flashes last week. Like I said, first career sack the, um, last week for Sac State. He might be a guy that may play a, a little bit of havoc, him and Killian Roscoe both. So, um, yeah, the opportunism of this defense, Marte Mapu leading is Probably going to be a big difference maker in this one, especially if they can force Millen into some, some trouble where he gets off schedule, You know, can't set his platform, has to throw something funky. That's where the mistakes usually happen, and they can still take advantage of it there if they want to.
0: It's going to be interesting, man. It's, it's one of those, I could see it, where if Sac State gets out to an early lead, I believe they're undefeated in the Troy Taylor era when they score first. CSU's been outscored 78-0 in the first half of the first three games. Mm-hmm. Just with the confidence level of these two teams and where they're at right now, I could see that being a situation where if they go up early, you know, they get that offense rolling and they're they're feeling like, man, this team isn't ready for us. It it could be a long one for Ram fans. It could also be a really fun game. It could be the coming out party for this offense that everybody's been waiting for. It's it's gonna be interesting. It was a lot of fun to talk this game through with you, man. I'm I'm really excited to see everything that you're doing out there. I'm curious, has the community bought into this program? I mean, I I know it's going to take some playoff success, but I mean, this is such a fun team. It is kind of a shame if they don't have like a local audience that's rallying behind them.
1: They have somewhat of one. I think it's hard because it's not like North Dakota State or even South Dakota State where that's the only game in town. You know, Montana, Montana State, like that is college football for them. In SAC, you have a lot of transients from the Bay who are already predisposed to not really caring much about college football in the first place. Um, This is a huge Oregon bastion. Excuse me. Sacramento is a massive, massive Oregon bastion. Ton of recruits that have gone here or that have ended up at Oregon. Ton of coaches that are down here. And this is roots that go back to like the 70s and the 80s. Like this began... um, with a Rancho Cordova star who was opposite Marcus Dupree as one of the highest ranked recruits in the country. And he went to Oregon and that kicked off this era of, of Valley guys that ended up there. So because FBS power five PAC 12 football and Fresno to a lesser extent dominate the high school scene here, it is a lot harder for people to rationalize what they consider minor league. Now, In Sacramento, where there is not a dearth of major sports and the Kings, there's not a lot of sports to get necessarily excited about. So people get excited about Sac Republic, even though it's a USL team. And that's because their first year in existence, they won a championship. They went to the US Open Cup final this year. This city really wants winners. And so UC Davis can win the big sky or Sac State can win the big sky. You got to make runs. When you make runs, the city comes out and, and is willing to care. Um, and I, I think they're, again, halfway there. Once they get past that, they're, they're going to be in a place where this city is really crazy about them up and down. But because Sac State's such a commuter school, there isn't that you go to Sac State, you know Hornets football. Whether or not you go all the time, you know Hornets football. There's, a, there's that element of people that they're just, they're just Sac State people despite how big the alumni base is. So once you start, and we've seen it, a good football team is the, the you know linchpin of the program from a marketing perspective. The minute you're good, the minute you start winning, the minute you go national, that's when the traction in your program picks up. And I think they're close. I think they're really, really close to doing that.
0: Obviously, as a CSU guy, I mean, for the, the context of CSU season, would like to see the Rams do well. I'll be honest, though. I came away after spending an hour with Troy Taylor very much liking him. I think I'm going to be watching uh, quite a bit of Sacramento State football this year just because they're a fun team, and he was a really cool guy. Andrew, tell the people where they can find you online, your Twitter handle, all that fun stuff, and yes. uh, where they can keep up with your content.
1: Yeah, so uh, so if, if you have any interest in Pac-12 sports, we got the pod. Pac-12 this week. Me and my buddy Mark Thomas run that once a week. Um, we also are on Playback, doing watch parties for Pac-12 games on GetPlayback.com. You can follow me on Twitter at A underscore G underscore Hobner. High volume, low efficiency. I am the Russell Westbrook of tweeters. <laughs> um, and uh, any of the work you can find on CBS News Sacramento. Um, try to keep up with as much as we can. Keep an eye on the recruiting stuff here at the high school level. And, uh, you know, who knows? There might be a, a guy out or two out of the valley that you're interested in. That might come to Colorado State, and hey, go find them on our story and we've done something on them. So we try to try to make sure we keep uh, keep keeping in the FBS scene a little bit, even though we are firmly FCS
0: country down here. well, I appreciate good local coverage as much as anybody. I mean, it's it's the heart and soul of, you know these g five programs, FCS programs with without the local beats. They're not getting any shine. so I, I love what you do. I love that you guys, Give Sacramento State the shine that they deserve. And this was a lot of fun to catch up with you, man.
1: I hey, appreciate you, man.
0: Love seeing everything you've been doing. I know, you know, we go way back
1: on the Twitter machine. It's been good to see you. And uh, always love reading and following your work, man. Keep it
0: up. Buffs going to cover this weekend? Hell no.
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> Bet against the Buffs all the way. Bet for 0-12. Bet Carl Durrell gets fired. Bet they fold a- athletics at that university because they don't care. And enjoy the Big 12 one day, guys. You will one day be the dominant force in this state. Because, <laughs> you know what? The meeting time's almost over. I don't want to get depressed on this pod. All I know is I want a good Rocky Mountain showdown again. That's it. That's all.
0: At least we I'm get one the, of the game th- I'm the I'm one of the two Colorado years.
1: people that like it. I, I like it. I don't care if they're like, oh, Colorado fans out like, oh, oh, is big brother, little brother. No. It's a state rivalry. How was scheduling air? How was game. scheduling
0: Air Force? How'd that go?
1: Yeah, exactly. Who like? Why would you want to do that? How how fun is it to go up against Howdy Duty and Troy Calhoun's triple option, bro? Like,
0: no, I don't want to. CSU do that, would no. pay to not have to play Air Force. The fact that you guys chose to do a home and home with it was it was shot. I understood the argument from CU's perspective of only having three non-conference games. That, but then when you follow it up by immediately going home and home with Air Force. I, was, I, mean, I i mean, I—I said it at the time, and I was like, "You're going to get swept." And it's not even mm-hmm. like me trying to talk trash. It's just they're a weird program; they're hard to face. It made no sense. It, it was it, a really would, weird it decision. Be,
1: it would be like going up to Laramie and and yeah, why to Laramie? Who like you know you go up and play at seven thousand feet like all these other FBS teams do, and you lose. So. I don't know, man. We're we're in a bad spot in the state right now. Maybe uh, maybe Mesa or uh, or uh, uh, Springs will get the call up to FBS and just uh, walk a lap around us at some point. I don't know, but the state needs it. It, it, This Colorado deserves good college football, and I hope one day we get it back. Um, My money's on Norvell instead of Carl. I'll put it that way.
0: We have passionate fans that have suffered for too long on both sides. So it, it would be nice to see these games matter. It would be nice to see us. Uh, not arguing over who is uh, less embarrassing. Oh, we're third on the worst five, and you're worst on the worst. Oh, who cares, man? We used yep. to be teams that finished in the top 25 consistently. Just win, baby. Just That's win.
1: all I want. Just <laughs> win, baby. Al Davis.
0: All right. I know you got to get going. You got a hair appointment, but thank you, man. I uh, appreciate you for doing this. I, I'd love to have you back on the pod more to talk West Coast football. You know, Pac-12, Mountain West, all that fun stuff. And uh, take care, dude. Yeah, dude. You too. You too. Thanks for having me on.